Welcome back to the Talking Thomas podcast, your podcast for all things Thomas the Tank Engine, Shining Time Station, and all other associated properties. I'm Tony. And I'm Orion. And we're back today to give you another uh, Shining Time Station commentary, and it's a topical commentary because today is Valentine's Day. So we're going to be doing a commentary of the Season 2 episode, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, which is the only Shining Time Station episode to take place on Valentine's Day. So we're going to be starting that off, uh, get it loaded up on uh, however you're watching it, and you can feel free to press play now. So this episode is actually one of the few episodes that I have uh, not a great recollection because, you know, at the time I would have been like three or four, uh, but I have, I do recall watching this as a child. Um I I don't have a tremendous memory for that sort of thing, but there are only select episodes that I remember watching. I'm sure I watched most, if not all, of the season two and three episodes because that's what would have been on as I was growing up. But this episode in particular left an impression on me, and when I started delving into the fandom a bit deeper, uh, you know, this was one of the episodes that I sought out early on because I remembered it. <laughs> All right, absolutely. Um, this episode, for those who um, are interested, was the 15th episode of season two, and it first aired on December 20th, 1991, following in the tradition of all of the other Shining Time Station episodes revolving around any particular event or holiday that aired absolutely nowhere near <laughs> the holiday uh, for yes. uh, 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 on which they're uh, revolving around. So it's quite interesting. It is. There's there's only one exception to that, and you know we covered it last Christmas. But um, you know, but it is true that all of the holiday themed episodes, it it just seems like you know they wanted to do certain types of episodes, but because of the way PBS works, they didn't know exactly when they were gonna either be finished with the season or when it was gonna air, and then you know so they just made them put them in order and. Just said, here, play these, and PBS played them, but they played them at weird, <laughs> on really weird occasions. I mean, there was, I mean, the last Shining Time commentary we did happened right around Christmas, and it was nothing to do with Christmas. This episode is quite interesting. This, in terms of the episodes that we have done commentaries on, yes. this is absolutely the earliest that a Thomas episode has uh, featured. It's, we're barely two minutes in to the episode uh, and already Tom, uh, Mr. Conductor is telling a Thomas story. And this happens to be the first shining time station episode to feature only one Thomas story, which, uh, which they would have many more episodes like that in season three. Right. Um, And most of those were for video release um, uh, such as Becky makes a wish schemer, special club, et cetera. Right. Um, But this is of course, uh, Thomas Percy and the mail train. Um, and, uh, but it just quite interesting. He, they really just launch right into it. Yes, um, they do. And, and so, and because there's not another Thomas story, that means that once this is done, the remaining, you know, 15, 16 minutes of the episode is completely shining time. Right. Uh, which it's, it, which was different for them at that time, oh, uh, yeah. not to be broken up, um, 
So probably a little bit easier to tell a more cohesive story. Right. Uh, but it, it does feel like maybe they you know, said, uh, let's get the Thomas story out of the way and, right. uh, and get on with the show. There, uh, there are certain episodes, especially once they got a better idea of what they wanted to do with the series and, you know, got certain storylines. It does seem like Thomas was sort of became, even though it's the reason the show exists in the first place, Thomas almost became sort of like something that they had to find a reason to fit in. And with, with this one, especially because it is at the very beginning and the rest of it is just, it is shining time with the characters and the jukebots and all that such. It, it really feels like, okay, we have a great storyline here, but we need to put a Thomas episode in here somewhere. So let's just put it into the beginning and get it done with. Yeah. And it's a shame that, that that is the treatment of this episode because this is, uh, as we will cover uh, in future Thomas commentaries, this is, I, I think it's fair to say, one of our favorites yes. from season three. So it's a shame that <laughs> that this is uh, treated in such a way. But right. uh, but regardless, it, it does fit the opening theme, I suppose, of the episode. There is no Valentine-themed episode of Thomas, of course. Right. Um, so it, it does make it hard to, uh, to, to fit one in. So that's the best that they could do. Um, exactly. Which, which is what I was going to say as well. Uh, there are several times, especially during the themed episodes, where an episode of Thomas doesn't exactly fit the theme, but that's only because no Thomas episode. And, you know, for all three seasons that it ran, they only had uh, three sets of 26 episodes to go on. There really wasn't... A, there, there was no Valentine's episode for obvious reasons. I mean, they're trains. And so... You know, uh, but there's a lot of episodes are like this where uh, there is almost little connection to the Thomas story, to the actual story with the with the human characters. Uh, But that's in some cases that works and in some cases it doesn't. I I personally, you know, uh, as much as we lament the use of uh, this or misuse of this episode, rather. Uh, it's nice to see it and you know at least it's something that halfway fits because you know a lot of people get mail on valentine's day and such i suppose it's just quite interesting that it's a very loose association uh pretty much at the beginning someone said the word mail right and mr conductor says oh mail well here's a story about Uh, mail for you yeah uh so it's it was a little uh on the nose i think oh yeah uh, uh, definitely uh, um, shoehorned in yes. a little bit, but uh, but that's okay uh, because we have a great Shining Time episode, al- almost an entire Shining Time episode that follows this right. because really barely anything happened before it. So um, yeah, all, all that happened was Schemer sorted through mail, which I was going to mention this. Of course, I was introducing the episode as he was doing this. This is the only episode in which Schemer references Mr. Conductor, or at least by name. Right. By name, yeah, uh, yeah, right. So that's and that's that's quite interesting. Um, so it's the first of the first of of a few things, and, and the only um, occurrence of of uh, the last thing that we said. But right. um, but it is it is quite interesting. And again, and here we go. You know, we're right. Uh, we go right from Mister Conductor down into the jukebox, and I do like this heart, uh, this little heart frame, right, that they use to get into the into the jukebox here. Um, but, and, and then of course there's hearts all over, uh, Grace's base. Yes. 
Um, they really do go all out for the holiday episodes. And that is one thing I will give the uh, design, uh, the props team and the design team uh, for Shine and Temptation is they really went all out for, uh, for this series. Anytime that they had an episode that revolved around a particular holiday, they, the station just gets decorated very, very nicely. I think fun little costume here for Mr. Conductor as well with the, with the, uh, the Cupid, yes. <laughs> Cupid wings and the, the nice red suit there on the top hat. It is. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where uh, it, it seems like Ringo as Mr. Conductor didn't really change costume all that much. Whereas this is one of the major differences between George Carlin and Ringo Starr's Mr. Conductors is that George Carlin's Mr. Conductor changes costume all the time. Right. He's almost more of a magician in that sense. Um, uh, I, in a sense of more magical because right. he, he constantly is changing um, his, uh, his outfits and his, uh, you know, general character presence. Right. Um, so quite interesting. Well, and you know, this, this scene right here, the, the magic, you know, the Cupid's arrow thing, which has just made Stacy go completely head over heels for uh schemer of all people is, you know, evidence of the sort of magic that Mr. Tenetra uses. I mean, he, the guy has a magic bubble. He's got a wishing star. He's, he is, Mr. Tenetra very much became a, mu- a magician in uh, seasons two and beyond. And this is very clever, uh, <laughs> a clever storyline. I think it, it quite funny. And again, it gives, gives Didi Khan some, some good material to work with. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, I like that Schemer, at least I believe it is, um, he's, is that he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt underneath yes. the, uh, that. And he not, not something he often would wear, more usually just a, more of an outlandish dress shirt or a checkered shirt or right. um, something like that. But I like that he's wearing the Hawaiian shirt underneath the, uh, yes. underneath the suit coat. Yes. And this, this, this actually is why I remember the episode. Uh, because I remember a lot of the episodes that I distinctly remember are the ones where characters act completely out of character. And, you know, I mean, of course, Stacy and Schemer are friends in the series, uh, even though they have a bit of an antagonistic friendship at times. Uh, but I, this, Stacy is almost completely out of character for 90% of this episode, and I love it. Something, I, something we, uh, we just missed there was the transition um, with the heart uh, to the next scene. Yes. I, is that the... Is, is that the only time that they used a, set, a different transition between scenes? I be- other than just a standard fade or cut. I believe that this episode is probably the only time they use those sort of cuts. Uh, they they did a lot of inventive stuff, uh, but I believe that that particular cut is only well, obviously, you know, for Valentine's Day it would only be in this episode, but that type of cut would only be used in this episode as well, to the best of my knowledge. I can't quite make out what's on Schemer socks there, but uh, no, I think it's. It looks like it might be hearts, but I can't really tell. Yeah, I don't think so, but it, it might be. I, but those are those are fun as well. <laughs> oh yeah, well you know, and it's to add to the outlandishness of Schemer because as we've as we've addressed, you know, in he he was a bit he 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 dresses more and more outlandishly as the series goes by, and so. 
you know, that's even though he is wearing, you know, something nicer than he would normally wear, he has to still have something unique about him. It is quite interesting, though, that, you know, watching all of these uh, is that the the station is just never, ever busy. (laughs) I don't know Um, how the station stays open. (laughs) Really? Yeah, absolutely. And that's. Um, yeah, and of course, trying to get extras and everything is hard, but, right? Um, and I and I understand. Yeah, but at the same time, it does it does make it hard to believe uh, that it's a very popular station and right and everything like that um, without any extras really ever <laughs> walking around, at least in the background, or right? Something. The, um, I mean, so far, the only time that we've seen extras is when we did our commentary of the uh, of the Christmas special. And you know they, I'm I'm assuming that they had a slightly bigger budget for that episode. So, right, yeah. And this is a nice, uh, this is a nice short animated film. Uh, oh yes, taking place in the Nickelodeon. Yes, uh, the the song that the Nickelodeon is playing is called "Would He Ever," and uh, it's accompanied, of course, by uh, it looks like quite old stock cartoons. I believe it looks like it's probably um, Fleischer Studios animation oh. um, or Famous Studios animation sure. uh, uh, from the 40s, okay. uh, late 30s, early 40s. Uh, yeah, that makes They, sense. of course, were known for doing Popeye, Popeye shorts right. and the Superman shorts. And they also directed, uh, they also produced two animated feature films, uh, Gulliver's Travels and Mr. Bug Goes to Town. Um and uh, those uh, Gulliver's Travels was actually the second major animated feature film uh, oh, after nice. Snow White. It came out in 1939, and uh, Disney's next feature film after Snow White was Pinocchio, and that came out in 1940. So, um, so they did. They were the second ones there. Uh, it's a, It's actually in the public domain. Yeah, as are as are a lot of their shorts. Hence why they're able to be used <laughs> right um, here at the time. Um, well, it does and help. Even now, even now, a lot of them are in the public domain, including okay. the full film of Gulliver's Travels, and I believe Mr. Bug Goes to Town. So oh. those are able to be found. Um, so if you're a, an animation nerd like me out there, then definitely something to to take a look at. But it looks like some of this is is, is spliced together. Um, yeah, from various animation studios, but the actual source of a lot of the animation, I think, is is mostly unknown unless you unless you already knew the material beforehand, because I don't believe it's ever really credited unless maybe it's a full short and then it might be credited. Right. Right. And, you know, it made sense that they would try to use public domain uh, cartoons where they can, because if you're going to have something like Nickelodeon that you're going to use for part of the entertainment of the show, uh, Shining Time Station never had a huge budget. Uh, you know, I mean, they only really have the one set, well, technically two sets, because three, because they have the main station plus the arcade, the inside of the jukebox, which is the Flexitunes, and then they have, of course, uh, the workshop. So that's three to four sets. Like I said, they never had a huge budget, so they had to save money somewhere, and using public domain cartoons for your music videos is, is a good way to do that. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, this episode, of course, is 
the episode that launched a thousand ships. Uh, I say that, of course, because uh, varying fandoms, I'm sure you've noticed this, Orion, varying fandoms like uh, putting two characters together in a relationship or ship, as is, you know, the internet jargon. And Schemer and Stacy, after this episode, sort of became the big ship for Shining Time Station. Uh, I've read fanfic about Stacy and Schemer. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I can see why. I mean, they, Dee Dee Khan and Brian O'Connor do have great chemistry, but, you know, I mean, I think they're better as friends myself, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, this is a, absolutely. And this is a, another nice appearance from Midge Smoot. Yes. Um, and uh, definitely one of the better uh, ancillary characters in yes. Shine Time Station. Yeah, Midge is a particular favorite of, definitely uh, of ours, I'd say. Um, and she is uh, one of the early characters as well, because she appears way back in season one. I mean, as does J.B. King. Uh, but a lot of the ancillary characters that we see from here on out are, you know, introduced in seasons two and three. But uh, Midge is one of the original uh, supporting characters. I really like this. Um, I just think this episode is funny uh, because, again, of how out of character Stacy is, where, you know, she's jealous she gets jealous of Midge Smoot because Midge is talking to Steamer. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, but it's hilarious at the same time just because of, you know, Stacy is normally, you know, very calm and reserved and very polite. And here she's just, well, she's crazy for Steamer. So, yeah. True. And, and uh, is it we have not seen uh, Billy in this episode yet. Is that correct? Yeah, no, we haven't. We will, but we haven't seen him yet, which is <laughs> which is odd considering that we are more than halfway through. Right. And here's another one of those transitions here. Yes. There it is. This little bit of them uh, whispering sweet nothings into each other's ears. This is actually one of the scenes that I remember. I, I, from when I was a kid, I, I remembered, you know, Stacy falling in love with Steamer. And I have a vague-ish memory of them sitting on the uh, Station Master's desk together. Right. And hey, there are kids in this. <laughs> there are! Uh, a, they're barely in this episode whatsoever. Amazing. Um, so, uh, but yeah, they, they did uh, just make a tiny appearance around the corner there. Yes. No, it's, it, it's so funny because this is one of the episodes that does feature so much around the adults that you almost, and the adults are so good in this that you almost forget that, hey, this show is about kids. So, yeah. <laughs> um. The range that Steamer got is, you know, clearly out of a um, one of the machines in his arcade, probably, I'm guessing, or a machine similar to it. 
That's a nice sentiment, though. Yeah. Um, that hat Tito's wearing. I like that. <laughs> now, um, does Schemer sing in any other episode? Uh, he does in... Uh, he, he does it quite a bit, actually, in uh, the one-hour special Queen for a Day. That's right. I was going to say, I think it, I think he does in Queen for a Day, but yes. I, I couldn't, I couldn't quite remember. But this is, it's interesting that the jukebox Papa Band comments on that, um, right? With this one, yeah. No, he he does that. He does it at least twice because uh, he he sings uh, a line. He paraphrases a line from King of the Forest from Wizard of Oz. And then later on, with a with three members of a barbershop quartet, he does a song called "My Queen." Hmm. And this, of course, of course, this of course is the classic uh, song "Genie with Light Brown Hair." Oh yeah, that the jukebox puppet band is performing for us. And I like this montage. Uh, and again, one of the few times that we'd ever see that effect, uh, or the only time that we'd see that effect, rather with. A montage encircled with a heart. Mm-hmm. So. This uh, this episode does have a lot of interesting, uh, you know, um, transitions and such as we've commented on. So yes. Um, and it's always nice to hear this song, uh, particularly by the Jukebox Puppet Band. I think they do a good job with it. Yeah, absolutely. Some nice vocal harmonies there, too. Um, I have to say this disco ball uh, zoom in and uh, and then transition was a little overused in that segment. But uh, it, it but is, other than that. <laughs> it, it does appear in almost every episode, I think, doesn't it? Um, I think sometimes, but just in that particular sequence, just in that song, it seemed like it, they did that like four times. Yeah. Um, so it was a bit, uh, they could have chosen something else. But but here's Billy, who is yep. often forgotten, I think, in a lot of these episodes. Um, yeah, 21 minutes in, in and we character. finally get Billy Two Feathers. Yeah. Um, but... Which, which is a and, shame, really, because I... I'm sorry. It, it, I think it's a shame, really, because I I really like Billy as a character. Absolutely. And I, I like Tom Jackson. He was such a calm presence uh, throughout the uh, throughout the series. And Definitely. he seemed like he always had a lot of fun with it. Yes. Um, and, and a very calm presence, as I said. And, it, and quite the, f- the, the funny thing, really, is, is that Billy was such a... was probably the most minor character of the station... Uh, in the series, but then became one of the more important characters in Thomas and the, Thomas and the Magic Railroad, more mostly because he fit more into that story. So, right. Um, but it is quite quite interesting. And you know, I mean, there could be any number of reasons for it. Maybe they wanted a more well known actor. Maybe Tom Jackson just wasn't available. Uh, but I think it's kind of a shame that they didn't get Tom Jackson back for Magic Railroad. There's nothing against Russell Means. Russell Means is a fine actor. And like I said, I'm sure that there could be any number of reasons why they didn't. But I just think it would have been nice to have seen Tom Jackson as Billy in uh, Magic Railroad. But that's just me. So, Right, absolutely. And it's, it's also interesting that 
you know, Mr. Conductor appears and I keep expecting him to segue into another Thomas story. Right. <laughs> and he's not, he's just, you know, there and then goes away. So uh, that is quite interesting about this episode and then subsequent episodes as well, where they only feature one Thomas story. Right. But typically again, in those episodes, they're not featuring the Thomas story one minute into the episode. <laughs> they're featuring it you know, somewhere closer to the middle. I, at, I least in the, say, at least in the first act of the of the story structure. I was going to say most of the episodes that only feature one Thomas story usually have them about the midway point of the episode. Uh, this is so unusual that it's only that it's only that it's in the first within the first two or three minutes of the episode beginning. I love this wedding scene. This was the other scene that really stuck out to my mind ever since I was a little kid was the the almost wedding scene. Right, and of course, and Schemer's tux is hilarious. It's it, it is something that only Schemer would wear. It's groovy, man. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> uh, I think Stacy's dress is all right, though. Yeah, and this is, and I like the you know the the grinder organ with the with the monkey. Yes, uh, it's, that's a nice kind of you know the just the charming station touch yes uh to it circus americana right uh this this show is just steeped in that kind of uh milieu as it were it is our our one extra for the episode is this organ grinder <laughs> and the monkey well and the monkey of course you know yes but then of course we reach the climax of the episode but uh I, th- this is one of those episodes that I really look back and have fond memories of. And, you know, I, I think it is, I, I like that they, that obviously if they did it all the time, it'd be boring and it wouldn't have been as successful as it was. But I like that every now and then they do episodes like these where they shift the focus to uh, the adults, particularly Brian O'Connor and Dee Dee Khan, who are, in my opinion, some of the strongest parts of the show, uh, you know, uh, not, not that the kids aren't great and not that the other actors aren't great. It's just, it's nice to see them have an episode to themselves, I think. Well, that's yeah, pulling it out of his, uh, coin holder. That's interesting. <laughs> So, I'm sorry. I, I'm just enthralled by this episode. That's why I'm, <laughs> you know, um, I, I and and again, I think it's a testament to how good this episode is. Is that I'm just sort of getting lost in it. Um, and I would definitely say, uh, touching on uh, Mayor Floptinger here, I would say the three strongest. Uh, recurring characters were uh, Mary Floptinger, Midge Smoot, and J.B. King for sure. Yes, um, and then the other ones were were fine, and and you know some were some were okay, some were relatively mediocre. But I would say those three had the most clearly defined personalities. Yes, and uh, were utilized the best in the episodes in which they appeared. I would say. I think so. I I think. I think Ginny the farmer is okay if a bit underdeveloped. She was mostly used as a foil to Midge. And, you know, the others were just 
all right, I guess. Right, and some of the one-off characters that they came up with um, were were great, like Hobart Hume, right? In uh, or Hobart Hume the Third, rather, in Schemer Special Club, he was fun, um, and you know, and some of the other characters as well, and of course, Schemy. Well, yes. um, but in terms of adults, oh yes, of course, of course. And we, of course, we have the end of the episode where Stacy is back to normal, and you know, botched at the idea of becoming engaged to someone you know, within a matter of hours where, you know, of course, no one, clearly Mr. Conductor has erased her memory of the entire thing, um, which makes sense, you know, because it, it would have been very awkward had he not. No, right, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. But, uh, but overall, a, a good episode. Um, yes. And uh, one of the stronger episodes of season two, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and definitely uh, I'm glad that we covered that for Valentine's Day. So am I. And I, I thought it was a brilliant episode myself. And I am also glad that we covered it. And uh, just before we go, I'd like to wish everyone listening a happy Valentine's Day. And uh, hope it's good for you. Yep, uh, same for me here. And uh, check us out on Twitter at uh, Talking Thomas Podcast and uh, Talking Thomas One, uh, rather. And uh, also check us out on Facebook and listen to us here on Anchor or also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and various other podcast platforms. Right. Thanks for listening.